The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds, postcode LS53AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. Hello, welcome back to the Inside Ellen Road podcast with myself, Joe Donoghue, and YEP Chief Football Writer, Graeme Smith. It's been a turbulent few weeks at Leeds United, uh, perfect timing for a couple of podcasters to take some time off. Uh, but we're back now, right into the business end of the season, with plenty to discuss. Graeme, are you feeling uh, rejuvenated after your week off, or is the, the football very much brought you right back down to earth? It's a good question. Um, it was quite nice to have a little bit of time away from it, I have to admit. But I absolutely love the games. I absolutely love match days. And I love, you go to every game having absolutely no idea what can happen. You know, and that, that is true, especially this season. Um, and unfortunately, I think the the hope and the optimism for Leeds fans and that kind of expectancy of, of a result is dwindling and has been dwindling over the course of the season. And uh, I have a lot of sympathy for Leeds fans after the last couple of weeks because it, it almost feels like the Javi Gracia impact was a false dawn. It now looks like when we look back on those wins that you know maybe they were a lot to do with the fact that Southampton came to Ellen Road with no discernible plan or anything really about them. And Forrest was a similar story. You know, they were an awful team with no midfield. Uh, and since then, things have gone downhill spectacularly. You know, the, the beating by Palace, the beating by Liverpool, the, the display at Fulham was so below par, so below the standards that, you know, the team should set for themselves, never mind anything to do with the fans. And then Leicester was a must win, wasn't it? And they didn't win it. So it's... Um, it's not looking great, you have to say. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with Leicester then, um, because that's the most recent fixture that, that Leeds have played. Um, I think everybody was... It's it's that time of the season now where you're looking at the fixtures and you, you're thinking, you're predicting in your head, just going, you know, how many points are we getting from these next two or these next three? And I think everybody, after the defeats to Palace and Liverpool, people were keen to move on from that and then look at Fulham, Leicester and Bournemouth, three clubs who... You know, historically, are not as big as, as Leeds United, but they do have that nouse to 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 get Premier League wins. Um, Fulham showed that they didn't have to be at their best. Um, I don't think Fulham really got out second gear at the Cottage, um, and then it was a case of well, you really have to be looking at a minimum, an absolute bare minimum of four from these next two, i.e., Leicester and Bournemouth, um, but ideally six because six might not. You know, come the end of the season, due to the difficulty of the the last four, six might prove to be not enough. So to to have gone one nil up, to have you know had the lead but not control of the game, and then to concede late on, it did feel like a massive missed opportunity. Um, because I feel like it was. It was just, you know, I, I saw somebody tweet that that defeat. Uh, sorry, that draw felt worse than the defeats to the likes of Liverpool and Palace because there was so much hope that had been pinned on that game. 
you know, a team who were below Leeds in the table, the, the final team that they faced this season who were below them, and they couldn't beat them at Ellen Road. Yeah, it was the most winnable of these remaining fixtures. And the problem now is you look at the fixtures and you think, well, where's the win going to come from? It felt like this one, you know, we talk about must win and managers don't like it and they try to avoid it. But there was no arguing that this one was a must win. Um, because the consequences are, are so obvious. You look at the league table now, Forrest picked up a win last night. You know, other teams are showing that they can dig out a win and they're making it very uncomfortable for Leeds at the very least. And Ellen Road was with the team, you know, despite all the concern, despite all the frustration, because the Fulham game really riled people up. And Javi Garcia has now started to kind of been dragged into the, the firefight and the criticism. Um, they were with the team. They backed the team. The support was incredible. They had a let off with Yuri Tailman's uh, wonder strike being ruled out for offside. And then they get the goal. And you've given yourselves a platform to go on and, and win the game. But the problem this Leeds team has and has had all season is that they do not control matches. Once they're ahead, they look vulnerable and they quite often look their best when the game's practically already gone, you know, when they're when they're a goal down or a couple of goals down. When they're a goal up, it's really, really difficult to have faith that they're going to go on and complete the victory. Um and that proved the case, you know, Leicester have threats. You know, the thought hit me during the game. Vardy, Barnes, Madison you think those are players you could see hurt in leads, you know, players that you almost dread coming up against. Almost every game recently, we've had that thought about players in the opposition, you know, for Fulham, Paulinho, Pereira, Willian even, are, are players that you think could maybe hurt Leeds. Crystal Palace, Eze, Elise, um, Liverpool, you know, obviously, Salah, etc., etc. Who are the players that opposition fans are looking at when they play Leeds and thinking, oh, that that player is really going to hurt us. You got, but he's Har on the bench. Well, that's the that's the thing, isn't it? You know, Harrison. Yes, he has come up with big goals and assists, um, and I thought he played quite well against Leicester um, on what must have been a weird night for him. Very strange. You know, he could have been playing in blue uh, rather than in white. Sinistera took his goal really, really well, but. You more often than not, you're not going to face Sinistera because he because he'd be injured because that's the kind of season he's having. Patrick Bamford is a uh, an imitation of the man who scored all those goals in his first Premier League season with Leeds, because injuries I think have just really hammered him and he's not really been able to get up to full speed. He hasn't been able to get momentum. Rodrigo, yes, he scored quite a few goals, but he hasn't quite been the same since the surgery. And then there's Willie Nanto. And where is he? He's on the bench. And maybe it feels a little bit like this is the media, this is us being hyper-focused on one player and hyper-focused on one situation. But when there is no understandable reason for him not featuring, then it's inevitable that it's going to become a talking point. And when you're not winning games, it's going to be a talking point because he can be a match winner. Exactly. He's proven this season that he can be a match winner. Um, he's proven that he can, you know, just take the game and, you know, alter it. Like that first minute against Man United, 
you know, how, how many players his age, his experience, would have gone to Old Trafford and thought, you know what, I'm having a go here. And he did. He scored. Um, the the assist that he got for Somerville against Bournemouth in that 4-3 win. Um, you know, again, that was a case of, I'm just going to keep running. I'm going to keep running. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the composure to play through a teammate. Um, and, you know, there have been countless other occasions which haven't ended in the ball finding the back of the net, but have, have been, you know, real discernible moments of, of quality that you every football fan can just identify, which is why it's so frustrating and so perplexing that the one man who makes the decision of who plays for Leeds United appears to not see eye to, whether it's eye to eye with Willy Nyonto or certainly doesn't agree with the the, the fans' opinion that that he is uh, you know a dead cert to be playing. You know, it's it's it seems ridiculous that he's gone from being you know the the second top goal scorer or second top goal contributor in this team to becoming the third choice left sided attacker behind Sinistera and Somerville because obviously Sinistera starting and Somerville is is the one who's been summoned from the bench in the in, in recent weeks. Um, it's uh, yeah, the mind boggles, and uh, there there has to be something deeper than than simply he just doesn't fancy him. You don't have to play him left wing. That's well, the yeah. thing. You could play him as a number 10 because we've seen him link up well with Somerville when he's been in a central position. We've seen him drift into central positions and cause problems, but also your number 10 isn't playing well. You know, Brendan Aronson is really struggling and he's not coming up with goals and assists. He's perhaps adding work rate and a bit of pressing, but at this stage when you need wins, then you need your best attacking players and your most potent attacking threats on the pitch. So it's a very hard one to understand. And I understand why myself and Adam Pope, Phil Hay are are being asked repeatedly, ask him about Nyonto. Can you please ask him about Nyonto? We have asked him about Nyonto repeatedly now on several occasions. And the answer almost always is a version of all the players deserve to play. It, I, have, I have to make the decision. It's my job to make the decision. All the players are important. Everyone has a role to play. Uh, Willie can play, but Cree can play, Sinister can play, Jack can play. It was very hard to understand why he didn't look to him or even look to Forshaw, you know, maybe the, the pair of them on Monday night because, you know, you pointed out in a piece, Leeds were not controlling the game. They weren't controlling the play. They weren't controlling the football. They weren't hanging on to it. They needed a foot on the ball to stop that relentless Leicester pressure from leading to a goal or goals. And it's only really by the virtue of an offside decision that VAR picked up that Leeds didn't end up 2-1 down because Vardy was running riot off the last shoulder and Leicester were cutting through them far too easily. It just felt like it needed something fresh. It needed something different. Um, and he and he didn't go for it. And his explanation was that he, he couldn't find the right opportunity to put players in. He felt that players were playing well. They were maybe a bit tired, but um, I don't know. It's hard to understand. You know, it's tiredness can be, to me, absolutely crucial in, in a game like mm -hmm. that, particularly when Dean Smith thought, well, who am I going to bring on? Pat Daka, who is a one-touch finisher, and Jamie Vardy, who everybody knows his game. Both to play on the shoulder, both to stretch the defence, both to, you know, to to really pull and need the the Leeds defence. Um, 
all over the shop as they did, and and ultimately, you know, he got he got a, a, a dividend from that from that substitution. It I, I felt as though Gracia's uh, explanation for why he didn't make a sub, <clears throat> and I'm not talking about Willy Nyonto, I'm talking about anyone, because you could have said there were several players on the pitch who were in need of bringing off just just to protect them because they needed fresh legs, they needed some stability. Someone to be composed, put their foot on the ball, and say, "You know what? I, I I'm not, I'm not flagging here." Um, I, I thought his his explanation was insufficient. Now that I mean, there's obviously the, the caveat that you know his English is good, but again, a lot of the nuance is is lost when it's when you're speaking in a second language. And you know, we'll cut him some slack for that. But you know, him saying that he couldn't find the right solution or that he he couldn't find the right offensive change, I just it just doesn't wash with me because you know there, there were op- there were options on the bench. You know he looked, he, he will have looked down the line. He will have looked at the bench and thought, well, who can I bring on here? Willie Nonto, yeah, but also Jorginho Ruter because he he's able to run at people. Even Forshaw, you know, again might not be in the best condition, but someone who is going to be composed, who's going to help out. I, I I don't understand the decision to bring on Aronson ahead of someone like Forshaw because he said that the the most the, the for, for security purposes putting Aronson ahead of the the two midfielders McKenney and Rocker that was the best decision from a defensive perspective I, I I disagree I'd say that probably putting Forshaw at the base of midfield certainly after um after they brought on Vardy and Daka it just didn't just didn't make too much sense to me. Yeah, and it and it took a lengthy technical area debate to come to that decision. You know, Michael Scubala was was summoned to give his thoughts and um, Antia and was one other I think there with Gracia. Um, yeah, it the, and and this is where I think where Gracia is now starting to be. He's now starting to be criticised along with the board and and players for their performances and, and the owner and whatnot. In the in the immediate ma- aftermath of his arrival, he was immune to criticism because this was... And, and I also have to say, to to a, a quite a large extent, this is still not his mess. It's not his creation. This season is not on Javi Garcia. But he was brought in to give Leeds the best chance of staying up. And you just have to ask at this point, are his decisions giving them the best chance to stay up? You said there about you know the language barrier being a caveat. That's absolutely true. It's also true that if there's an issue, or if he simply isn't having a player, if that's what it is, it, 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 say hypothetically he's not having Willie Nyonto for whatever reason that may be, he's probably not able to say that because he might need Willie Nyonto, and and also he's not able to say that because it would cause an absolute firestorm in the in the fan base and in the media. But I've always found managers who are parachuted into a season very, very reluctant. Well, there's two types. There's the managers who come in and, and basically say, these are not fit enough. And then eventually they say, these are not good enough. And they absolve themselves of blame. Then there's the managers who try and keep everyone together. They take responsibility for the failings of individuals. And they and they don't throw anyone under the bus. So maybe Javi Garcia is... is simply trying to protect the group, trying to protect all the players and refusing to single out individuals. Um, where I had a little bit of sympathy for him was was that when he made that comment, there's nothing special about one player. And it was almost construed a little bit as 
him saying there's nothing special about Willy Nyonto. Whereas what he was actually saying was there's no special situation here. There's no remarkable, you know, salacious story with why I'm not playing Nyonto. It's just one player. I take the decisions about all the players. But the problem is that this player is Willy Nyonto and we know what he can do. We've seen what he can do and he's not getting the chance to do it at a time when needs Leeds really need someone to do it. So um, it'll continue to be a talking point until he answers it definitively or he plays him. Um, and if he plays him, then it's on Willy Nyonto, isn't it, to, to show that the head coach was wrong all along. But you do, you know, a penny for his thoughts right now, you know, with regards to his Leeds future, with regards to how this season's going. Yes, he's only a teenager. And so, you know, there's not a huge right to play for any young player. But this young player is a special one, and uh, and I think he'll be very, very frustrated. Yeah, uh, and and you can understand that. Um, you could understand if there's been a semblance of frustration at Thorpe Arch that, for you know, for whatever reason, you know, the the Italy international is not getting in the team. Um, it would be interesting to to obviously to hear the the thoughts of the the squad. Obviously, we're not going to get that. Um, and even if, even if in the future there was a, there was the possibility to to discuss that, I think you'd probably get the the preset answer of you know the manager knows best and all that sort of thing. But privately, it probably is quite interesting to know the um, the thoughts of the the other players in the squad because they just just like the rest of us, they they know football, they know who is reliable. You know what, Graham, when you're playing six or seven aside, you know who to pass to because. You know, if you've got the option of passing to someone who's got two left feet or the player who is going to stick one in the top corner, you're always going to pass to the second guy, aren't you? Yeah, I, I agree that it would be fascinating to... And that was almost like that was the thrust of my column for the YUP today. You know, I'd love the, the inner monologues, uh, access to the inner monologues of all the major players at Elland Road right now. Not just players, but boardroom parties and, and ownership um, parties as well, but Javi Garcia knows football as well, and he's a very experienced manager. He's been around a very long time. I, you can only assume that he's not seeing something from Nyonto, or he's seeing something from Nyonto that he doesn't like. That has to be the assumption. Um, the other thought is that maybe he's not still a hundred percent fit. But then Garcia said last week, didn't he, that he's no, he's available and ready. So he, oh. he intimated that he was fit, which almost creates a rod for his own back then because it, had it still been the the assumption that he was working his way back to fitness, then you could understand it. But even, you know, even 15 minutes, half an hour would be more than what he's getting and would be would feel like more of a, an opportunity to, to help the team. But um, this is where we are. And if the team sheet drops on Sunday at Bournemouth and he's not in the team sheet, it'll continue to be a talking point. Um, who who do you think will be in the, on the team sheet at Bournemouth this weekend? Because I, I, I don't think Willie will be on there. I don't think he, he changes his stance. I think he's been very forthright in, in, in swatting away the questions, several of them there have been. Um, I, I don't see him bringing Nonto back into the fold, even if Sinistera is injured. No, I think um, Somerville and Harrison will be the wingers. 
But I do think that Sinister being out almost guarantees that Nyanto has to play some part. You know, he, he has to. He has but to. You, but you would have thought you would have thought that at the uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, you would you know, have done. Made two um, substitutions, one of which was enforced. Yeah. You know, the, the game was 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 textbook for needing fresh legs, and he didn't bring anyone on. So, yeah, how predictable is he? Yeah. Um, I don't know whether he'll... I think he'll probably stick with Rodrigo and Bamford. Um, you know, Bamford's, Bamford's confidence will undoubtedly have taken a, a dent from that miss. Um, you know, he hasn't had he hasn't had a huge number of chances this season because he's not played a lot. And when he has played, the service has not been great. And the service wasn't great for him at Leicester. But then when the chance arrives in the last minute and you're three yards out, even if it's on your right foot, you know, just a decent connection and that ball's in the back of the net and Leeds win that game. So that he'll be absolutely desperate to make amends for that. Um, I think it... It's a sad reality that he's not the player that he once was for Leeds and injuries have undoubtedly taken a huge toll on him and they've really disrupted his football for such a long time now that you wonder you know, what it's going to take to get him back to that player. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't write him off at all because I think he's got a lot of quality and I also think he's still got a massive usefulness for the team in terms of his hold-up play, in terms of bringing others into the play, linking up occupying defenders. He does that far better than anyone else in the lead squad. In fact, no one else in the lead squad really does that, do they? You know, no. it's not Ruto's game. It's not really Rodrigo's game. Certainly not Aronson's game. Um, so I think Bamford stays in the team and I think he probably has to. Harrison, Somerville, midfield. I mean, <laughs> what do you do? What does he do? Because if, if Forshaw isn't fit enough to start, then Rocker and McKenney are your options because it feels like I asked him um, before the Leicester game, does this kind of a season make it difficult to put youngsters in the team? And he, and he didn't say he wouldn't use them, but he did say there are better environments for developing youngsters because you put a player like JB in, and we've talked about it repeatedly, JB has real quality and real potential. And Leeds paid £5 million for him from Man City. And I presume they're paying him a good wage. The presumption was, when Leeds signed him, based on that amount of money, that he would make an impact this season. Because you don't spend £5 million on a youngster that's not going to be ready for two or three seasons. I just don't think Leeds were in that position, especially not last summer. when when well, he, they, spent, he, they spent £30 million on Ruta, who doesn't seem as though he's... Yeah, that's an instant impact. In, yeah, exactly. In, in line with last summer's policy, when your net spend was about five million. In fact, he accounted for all of the net spend, didn't he? Yeah, about, it was about five million. You had to think that he was going to be close to the first team, but can you really put him in to a game of this magnitude and say, you know, go on, son? M maybe he plays with a fearlessness, but maybe it really harms him and it really harms his development. And then, I was and the thinking about this the other day, Graham. Can you recall a team in a relegation battle in a situation like like the one Leeds currently find themselves in, where a 18, 19-year-old with very, very limited um, senior experience has come in and, th and, and thrived? Because I, I, I genuinely cannot think of a single one. 
No. Um, Gelhardt, to a certain degree, last season came up. But JB's not an impact player couple, off the bench. There was a couple easy, of big so. moments. No. Um, when I covered Chesterfield, and they were in League One. All right, I was Janu- talking about Premier League, yeah. In but, the yeah. January before they. Uh, now I'm going to back up your point. Just calm down. You're all right. Um, in the January before they went down, they signed a load of youngsters on loan from like Barnsley, Preston, and Man City's David Falpala. And as bright as a talent any of them might have been as individuals, they were absolutely not ready for a, a relegation scrap, not ready for a relegation battle. Um, in League Two, they signed Jacob Brown on loan, who's since gone on to play for Scotland. And he looked absolutely lost in, in League Two, in a League Two relegation battle, and since gone on to show himself to be a player who's who's better than that level. Young players, it's just a really difficult time to put them in. And so when you look at the midfield now, you think, could JB go in? Maybe it's worth a shot because the current midfield isn't working. But would it be fair on him? So maybe it's Rocker and McKenney again, but I, I almost think Forshaw's got to play even just the first 45 minutes to give them a base from which to play, or the second 45 minutes. But but I think he's got to play because he puts a foot on the ball. And also, he'll steam into tackles. And I, and I think he might be able to lift the team a little bit in the way that Cooper tried to against Fulham um, with physicality and aggression being on the front foot. But the midfield's not working, is it? It's just no. it's just not. You know, they don't have the combined collective profile and ability and skill set to control a game in the Premier League and to stop Leeds from being so porous through the middle and to stop getting caught in transition. They're just not doing it together. It, it's coming back to this control element, isn't it? They've they've surrendered Leeds constantly this season. Whenever they've gone in front, they've invariably been pegged back. I think it's 20 points that they've they've lost from winning positions this season, which is the second highest in the Premier League after Leicester, um, who have dropped 22 points from from winning positions. That that tells me that this. Are you, team read, struggled... are you reading these? Are you reading these off? No, no, I've I've read it so many times over <laughs> the past 24 hours that it's now etched in my brain. So, um, so it's just like burned into my cornea. Um, it's um. It, what it tells me is that that this team struggles to retain possession, and when they do retain possession, they can't they they can't pass the ball to each other. You know, you look at the the, the past success from you know games when they have been you know a goal up at, on Tuesday night during the second half, their pass success was something like just over fifty percent. So every one in two passes is going to the opposition. You don't get that with the best teams. You don't get that with teams who are, you know, absolutely, you know, you just just so miserly when they go a goal up. I I just I worry that even if Leeds do pull off a surprise and and take the lead against Man City or Newcastle, West Ham or Spurs, they'll be getting pegged back within 10, 15 minutes because they can't hold that lead. It's been the same all season. They've whenever they've have won games, it's because they've won either by going three goals up like they did at Wolves. Or they've, you know, scored in the last fifteen minutes or so, and it hasn't. It's left the opposition just not enough time to to, to get an equaliser or or to turn turn the game on its head. I, I just don't see them. Where, whereas I can see other teams around them, like Everton, maybe nil nil in their way to Premier League safety. I don't see Leeds being able to do that. 
Um, and you know, but by the same token, if Everton do go a goal up in in games, I do I just think that they just seem a bit more resolute. Maybe that's just my inherent sort of assumption of the football that Sean Dyche plays, but I just don't see Leeds being able to do it. Yeah. And I, I think the midfield issues and the, the ball retention issues were probably partly why Gracia had them going long, you know, at the start mm-hmm. of the second half, you know, trying to hit the corners, trying to hit the channels, Cooper and Cock playing long balls out, because I just don't think they keep the ball well enough when they, they keep it on the deck. Um, so that's a huge issue for Bournemouth. And then the back four, Cooper has to play, I think. Uh, yeah. Cock, Cock will play. Um, I think Ailing will probably play. And um, unless Fober makes a recovery, which everyone will be hoping he does, then I think it's Firpo. Yeah, I mean, I'd obviously prefer Voba in there. I mean, I think Firpo's been fine, but I just think that Voba brings something, something Cooper-esque to the back four. Um, I don't know, I just feel as though he's, he has that leadership quality, um, which I think you definitely need in a relegation battle. Um, it's a game. You know, this is a game game for leaders away at a, at a fellow relegation uh, struggler on the back of a bad run. You need as many of your leaders as as possible on the pitch, which is why I think Ailing, Cooper, and probably Forshaw uh, alongside Vober would be helpful presence in there because the dressing room right now, you know, to be a fly on the wall to hear what's being said, to hear the level of accountability, but just to see the dynamic of of who's who's really up for it and who's dragging everybody else along with them and who's cajoling and, and holding people to a standard. Um, and who's who's very privately thinking, I need to get out of here with as much credit as I can, as I can get and, you know, sort myself well, a move. Even if, even if people are speaking to their agents about saying they want out of here because they've, they've had enough of this kind of battle and relegation or, or they certainly don't want to be in the championship. Do yourself some credit, you know. Do yourself some individual credit with your final performances, and turn the narrative around on yourself. Um, yes, it should be side before self, but if if players have half a mind on the future, then they should be they should be playing themselves into the ground. And you have to say, against Leicester, we didn't see the same insipid display that we did at Fulham. I thought there was a lot more character. To the performance that just wasn't the quality and the and it was the quality that was the issue um it was worrying at fulham that they just didn't have that fight um so you hope that that remains the fight remains now for the rest of the season because if they don't have it then they're they're absolutely down um the league table looks really grim right now and i, I think now now that we look at the last games again the next one is the most winnable of the lot by a long way and and it's no guarantee because it's a very very tricky game uh be interesting to see how Bournemouth do tonight won't it yeah and and Everton because that'll yeah. kind of be an indicator of how they're thinking of playing against the top sides Southampton Bournemouth tonight is an absolutely huge fixture um yeah I mean if Southampton win that you know looking at Forest and Southampton picking up wins Leicester Based on the performance on Tuesday night, I don't think Leicester go down. I think they have enough there. Um, I I I almost think that you want Southampton to get three or one point tonight. Well, to yeah, keep, to keep Bournemouth in the mix and to well, although it, it although 
if they if Bournemouth win, do Bournemouth then think, well, we're on thirty six now, you know, we're practically there. Um, do they get a lift from it, and do they bounce into Sunday, or on the, are they on the beach? Um, well, they're always on the beach. <laughs> very good. Hey. Um, but I mean, it, that it, it's just so so tight from from nineteenth to even West Ham in fourteenth, covered by six points, uh, and Leeds are you know right smack bang in the middle of it, closer to Everton than they are to West Ham. Closer um, to Everton than they are Bournemouth. Yeah, and you know tonight could make the table look even worse. But you know, you look at if Southampton do get a win over Bournemouth tonight. I mean, it is at St Mary's, so you have to think that that stands them in good stead. And the fact that Bournemouth were beaten quite handsomely by West Ham uh, at the weekend, you know, Leeds could that, that Leeds could go to Bournemouth and leapfrog them on Sunday. You know, by no means are, are teams out of this. Um, no, no, you're right. And the only teams that are out of it really are are from Wolves upwards. Yeah, um, and the more teams there are, the merrier for for Leeds, uh, because there's always that possibility that even if you have an absolute stinker between now and the end of the season, you might still finish above. Um, the problem is you're still going to need points because thirty isn't going to be enough. No, <laughs> I mean, even not. even in the worst Premier League history uh, uh, season in history for the bottom half, thirty um, is not going to be enough. Uh, I, I think I mean, it's it's unreasonable. It's unreasonable to think that all of the teams below Leeds are just simply not going to pick up any more points this season. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the, before last night's result in the Forest Brighton game, um, the bottom three, or what was the bottom three, none of them had won in any of their last five league games, which I think is the only reason Leeds are not in the bottom three because of that run of form of Forest, Everton, and Southampton. Yeah, I, th- I think the league table at times this season has been kind to Leeds. At times when you thought, surely now this will be Leeds, you know, in the in the bottom three, properly in the mix, and somehow they've they've stayed out of it. Um, so, at a time when you're trying to pin your hope to anything, even remotely tangible, the fact that there's so many teams still in there and in poor form and struggling is um, is a great comfort. Uh, My worry is, if Leeds drop into the bottom three. I don't see them getting out because I don't see them having the fixtures to get them to pull themselves clear. You well, know, you, I mean, look at, you look at the other games when they have dropped in and then immediately bounced back out. Yes, okay, that one Anfield in October, yeah, that was kind of an anomaly. But then Wolves away, that was again winnable on paper. Southampton at home started the day in nineteenth or whatever it was. Yes, that was winnable on paper. <sighs> Newcastle, Man City. West Ham, Man City, notoriously flaky, um, inconsistent. Yeah. They are. Have you ever seen a team more inevitable than Manchester? No, inevitable is the word as well. They are. They are. When it's like Haaland when he's running forward with the ball embodies Manchester City at the minute. You just think, dear lord, like what a what a specimen. Like you, is this, that what you're a, saying at the telly? When this you're is only, so Maria. Look at this specimen. Um, you, you just they they just look like a team that are going to steamroll their way between here and the end of the season to the title, and you know they could do unmentionable things to to a struggling side. West Ham away is a, a horrible fixture at the best of times, and this is not the best of times. Spurs, you know, when I did a I did a, a semi lighthearted prediction 
for the YEP last week, I looked at Spurs and actually predicted a win because I thought it would be so Spursy and it would be so Leedsy for Leeds to somehow pull it out the bag against a team they're not expected to beat. And Spurs are just an absolute train wreck, aren't they? But then Spurs went and cha- Spurs went and changed their manager again, didn't they? So maybe they'll get that. Um, what are we calling him? The 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 interim interim. They'll get the interim the assistant to the assistant regional manager. <laughs> the assistant to the regional manager bounce is what yeah. they might get. Um, so who knows? But it's this feels like a very grim. It feels like a very very grim podcast. Maybe we need to I don't know talk about Chelsea or something just to what the third best team in West London to lighten the mood. Um, yeah, I tell you Which what. Actually, Chelsea- Based on the, the Premier League table, is true because you have got Brentford in ninth, Fulham in tenth, and Chelsea eleventh. Chelsea yeah. are actually going to finish in the bottom half as well. They're six points off Fulham. They have to be. Incredible. They should be writing a letter of thanks to their six previous managers this season um, that they accrued enough points that Frank Lampard is not able to take them down because his impact has been. <laughs> negligible yeah Yeah. did did you um you know you were mentioning earlier how you get the managers who pretty much absolve themselves of the mess when they come (laughs) in did you watch any of his post-match um media duties last night no i absolutely refused to well he was along the lines of saying um you know that the these players have been these players have been in this situation longer than i have it's like frank what are you doing that is just but you, but you absolutely knew that it was going to be on them. Uh, it would be before too long. It'll be on who came before him, but it will never be on the owner. Um, he'll never. That's one one step. I don't think he'll ever take. Fair play to Thiago Silva for uh, for coming out and saying what he did about recruitment. You know, that was one of the most refreshing, honest interviews I've seen from a player. You know, just not not caring about the circus upstairs and just laying it laying it all on the table, saying, you know, we've signed too many players. We signed the wrong players. Um, and uh, you just don't get that very often. What you get instead is, you know, cliches and platitudes and we go again and we still have to fight. And, um, yeah, it's all a bit, all a bit samey, samey. Um, but, yeah, look, look, at the, look at the bottom of the table. It's just so tight. Maybe that's a great thing for Leeds that it is that, that, it is that tight. But being one point above the drop zone, with five remaining is not the situation that this club envisaged last summer or, or when the season began with those two victories under Jesse Marsh and, and well, everything. When Andrea Rodritani said it would be impossible to uh, to be in a similar situation. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can file that alongside the Forshaw tweet, I think, as, as probably things he wished he'd never come out with. JFK. Um, yeah, J- yeah, JFK is another one. Y- you just can't say... For with all the bravado and all the confidence in your club, you still cannot say it's impossible because almost every club, apart from six or seven, go into a season knowing that relegation or a relegation battle is a possibility. Yeah, it just is. You know, West. Who would have said a season ago that West Ham would be down there uh, at this time of the season? You know, who would have said two seasons ago? That Leicester would be down there. Um, Everton, I suppose, have had a pretty treacherous run of it. Who would have predicted Frank that Lampard Chelsea? Again. Who, who would have predicted that Chelsea would be eleventh? That Wolves would be thirteenth and only just scraping clear. 
who would have said that Palace would have ended up getting rid of Vieira uh, and ha- having to bring in uh, Roy Hodgson, and they'd be sitting, you know, well, you probably think they would be sitting twelfth, but you wouldn't have thought it would have been it would have needed Roy Hodgson to get them there. Um, you can't separate you can't separate Palace from that twelfth place, can you? They're just no, they're they, wedded they, to it, welded to it. Yeah, they're they're they are as inevitable for twelfth place as uh, yeah. City are for first. Um, so you, you can't go into a season thinking anything other than we have to fight for our 40 points and anything we get from there there on is um is going to be good is going to be a bonus um but leeds right now 40 points looks well beyond them so um whatever they can get between now and the end of the season we'll have to wait and see right well back to the misery then of uh bournemouth this weekend um can't wait to drive down there, by the way. That's just going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, so thank you to, to the British Rail Network for being completely inept. Um, yeah, uh, Bournemouth, predictions. What do we think it's going to be? Um, <laughs> trying to remember. It's never good when you just start laughing to yourself and throw your head I, back. I'm trying to recall what I predicted. and I think I predicted a defeat or a draw. I think okay so no score i'm not going to get a score from you all right we'll go draw and we'll go one one okay see i think there's going to be goals and lots of them and lots of drama um because don't know if you've been looking at the premier league table graham but both of these teams have conceded 63 this season which tells me that neither of them can defend um 126 goals have gone in against them yeah yeah which obviously won't surprise anyone is the joint most um, I'm going to go with 3-2 again not forgetting that these two played out a 7 goal thriller earlier this season I'm going to go 3-2 to Leeds All right, that don't ask be... me why just, just, just a gut feeling well let us let us pray because um... I mean I've had food poisoning in the past week so that gut feeling probably shouldn't be trusted but yeah that's I wind mean, that's that got feelings wind. Um, yeah, three two win would be any kind of win. Any kind of win at all would be fantastic. Any win will do. A, a goal going in in the ninety sixth minute off the referee's shin. Um, I a, think he'd probably rule that out, Graham. No, no, he wouldn't, would he? Because he's like yeah, a goalpost. He no, aren't referees still considered like goalposts? And if the ball goes in off them, well, why? Okay, so why did they stop play when it? When it oh, they've, them they've probably changed the, the law, haven't they? Let me see. No, oh, I don't have time to. I don't have time to look it up now. So we'll say it's not going to go in off the referee. <laughs> Maybe it goes in. It off. shows your your faith in Leeds United that you're now relying on. I don't know Paul Tierney to next, to next score goal. goals to keep Leeds in the division. Next goal scorer, Andre Mariner. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe it'd be Melier. That would be a nice storyline, wouldn't it? Melier leaping through yeah, the right. like a. I don't know what's salmon in French. <laughs> what's salmon in French uh, See, I, I do have time to google this salmon in French is salmon 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 <laughs> it's just Samo. you substitute the L for, an, for a U yeah um, leaping well, like Samo. a salmon salmon uh, salmon is the pronunciation le, le bust derrière um, uh, with the with the, the score locked at 2-2 God, that would be incredible. I think the I think the Leeds fans in the away end would probably blow the roof off the Vitality Stadium if that happened. If they, if they were drawing 2-2, 95th minute corner, does Melier go up? I'd send you up. 
<laughs> no, no, seriously. Uh, I don't head the ball, so um, that, that would be useless. I'd have to hang around on the edge looking for a sniffing for a volley. Um, do you send Melio up? Yeah, I think you send him up. Two two, but do you not hold, do you not hold on to the draw and think there's there's four games left after this? Like this no, moves on to thirty one <laughs> because we've oh, established yeah. they're not going to win any of those four games. Yeah, you're probably right. What a crazy what a crazy scenario it would be in the in the fifth to last game of the season if you're sending your keeper up because you're drawing in the in the last minute. I'd quite like, in fact, I'd quite like Melier to to take matters into his own hands. And if you know, if the the question was going, you know, you know how you some, sometimes see goalkeepers kind of hesitating between the center circle and their own box yeah so looking over looking over looking over just like go on send me up coach send me up and you know Javi's like no no stay and then at the last second he just gallops and goes <laughs> and, and scores with that yeah he just yeah, you that... know he just lets out a bellowing cry with that deep guttural voice of his what would be ideal would be if Bournemouth just had two players sent off in the first 10 minutes and <laughs> Jefferson because... Lerma you, you know what Leeds United fans are owed this season more than anything else. It's a it's a relaxed, a relaxing ninety minutes or at least eighty minutes. So if Bournemouth could have two sent off and Leeds could go three nil up in the first ten minutes, so that Leeds fans can just luxuriate in the in the South Coast sun, that would be what 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 they deserve because this season has been so stressful, so devoid of joy and enjoyment and entertainment because even some of the wins have been dross games you know not swashbuckling football not not games that were fantastic um, you felt drained coming out from them yeah i imagine that that's how a lot of leeds fans have felt just and and you see it a lot when you, when you speak to leeds fans as well it's almost like a little bit of apathy creeps in because they're so weather beaten by the season you know they've been they've been marching through a storm for so long that they're just they're tired and they're weary uh, and that plays into i think a lot of the frustration that we've seen at the minute a lot of the the chants that we've heard um directed at the board directed at victor order you know tuesday night they draw 1-1 with leicester ellen road didn't really know how to react how to feel um there was some booze there was some applause there was a brief chant against order in the west stand and you also you also start to see a little bit of friction between those clapping and those booing. You know, we heard it in the West End. There was somebody angrily protesting at those who were not getting behind the players as the players went around the pitch. You can understand to a degree because people are thinking, if we if we're not behind the players now, they've no chance. You know, they need they need back in right now because they're on their knees. Um, you can also understand those who think, I've paid my money all season. I've, I've travelled home and away, and I've been given precisely nothing for it so i'm just gonna say how i feel and you can never i don't think you can ever tell someone to be a happy clappy fan or to to tell someone who is happy to clap and applaud to stop doing so i think you just let supporters support however they feel um but there is a tension that exists between those kind of two mindsets and we saw a little bit of that um but the thing about leeds fans is that when the team walks out and when the game kicks off they are so behind the team. You know, they have been ever since I started following the club, and I've had the, the good fortune to start following the club in good times, insofar as Bielsa was the manager and they went up in the first season. My en entire experience of Leeds has not been, you know, League One apathy and 20,000 people at Elland Road, but a packed out Elland Road, 
you know, supercharged and behind the team. And this is after two seasons, two almost complete seasons now of struggle and toil and defeats and brushes with relegation. Yet on Tuesday night, how good was the how mm. feral was the atmosphere as the team kicked off? And it'll be like that at Bournemouth the away end will be absolutely bouncing when they kick off on Sunday. And it's the players' job to keep them bouncing and grassy is as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, quick weather report before we uh, before we break off. Su- uh, Sunday at Bournemouth, as it's now going to be, Come uh, on. Four- 14 degrees, cloudy. Four- 14. Great. Just great. Like, that, that was just the, almost the embodiment of the, the Roy Keane in the studio. He's like, Four- 14? Oh, really? Really? <laughs> it's like, yeah. You were I hoping was, to catch I, a bit of a tan, weren't you? I was hoping that that when uh, when I dragged Popey out for a 5K down the beach on uh, on Sunday morning, that the sun would be beaming off our, our respective bald bounces. But um, we'll just have to take 14 degrees and cloudy then. But maybe, well, this, maybe, you, do maybe the careful, you do have to be careful because even when it's cloudy, the UV, if it's high, can still come through. So I, I do have China doll skin as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Maybe I'll maybe I'll put on a, a factor fifteen before I go for a run. Right. Well, enough about your skincare routine. Um, that's it for this week's Inside Ellen Road podcast. We'll be back next week. You're speaking to Javi Gracia tomorrow. Uh, the twenty ones are also in action tomorrow um, against West Brom, which will be in their final game of the season, or what we hope to be the final game. Uh, if they get a point or better, they win the league. If they lose, well. They're in the playoffs. So um, best of luck to the under-21s. And uh, yeah, best of luck to the to the first team on Sunday at Bournemouth. Uh, this has been the Inside Ellen Road podcast with myself, Joe Donoghue, and your YP Chief Football Writer, Graham Smith. Uh, bye for now. The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.